Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Waves of Change. I'm Dr. Man Kit Lee, I'm a clinical psychologist practicing here in San Francisco. And with me is my lovely co host, Diana Chu. Diana, how are you doing? Hi, I'm also a therapist in San Francisco. Um, well, I'm adjusting, you know, like as a therapist where I typically see people face to face, I'm actually shifting a lot um, to like a different form because, you know, shelter in place, you try to minimize the amount of like virus spreading. And now I see a trend in online therapy. What do you think? I do see the trend you're describing for telehealth therapy, online therapy. I feel like as a field, we have been moving towards the direction for a long time now. Yes. However, there's a lot of fear and uncertainty. And it, it took an epidemic for us to kind of really push the field towards, like kind of launch us in that direction, ready or not, um, mm-hmm. to adapt and to yeah, survive. You're- Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're right. Like, um, actually, I've been doing an uh, online version, some versions of online therapy, like, uh, since I graduated, um, like a few years ago. And so, um, it's actually pretty interesting because, like, something that I'm familiar with now that I could, like, tell other therapists, um, or practitioners, like, how to do it in a way where it is safe and, like, of like um, assessing risk level and all those things. So um, today we're going to talk about like how the, at the, uh, the the pandemic shapes therapy differently um, and what are some of the considerations as a clinician, but also as um, a client, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. Those are some really great topics. A lot of folks are trying online therapy right now mm-hmm. with um, different results, which is expected. Uh, but I do want to talk. We, I do want us to talk a bit about how, as therapists, as providers, we can uh, enhance our practice online. Um, and I'm super happy to be talking to you, Diana, about it specifically because you're so experienced in this field, much ahead of the curve than a lot of us. So let, let's have you start us off. Tell me about your experiences with online therapy. Well, um, the reason why I started um, is actually because of my niche. Like um, I have the uh, drama therapy uh, modality expertise and I also know how to speak Cantonese and Mandarin and I remember uh, one of the first few people that uh, started uh, with me online is because of the location Um, they want my language um, and drama therapy expertise but they couldn't come uh, because it's like a few hours away but still is within California and so um, that's when I talked to my um, supervisor at that time and just like, hey, I really would love to work with this client. But because of um, the location, you know, like I don't think they're able to travel like two hours just to see me for like an hour. Um, and so that's how I started online uh, therapy because of the accessibility for, for people. And so that's 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 marked the beginning of it. And um and it worked really well because with that first client that I had, we actually see each other for the first time and then we started 
um, online. So there's like some kind of assessment is already built in. Um, and also like frequent assessment of like if this client is like a, a suitable fit or not. And then like slowly it expands to like other clients, uh, potentially, uh, uh, who is struggling financially because as a therapist, um, renting an office is expensive, you know, all these like utility, uh, part of it is expensive and like doing online therapy actually lowered the cost and which allows me to have um, see more cases or like have that flexibility because I could like fit in a client after uh, my full-time job in a nonprofit, you know, like things like that. And so um, there is uh, uh, pros and cons definitely with uh, this kind of therapy. And um, yeah, it's, it's different. But um, I think it works. It works. Well, tell me about why you think it works. Well, I think um, one thing that people are um, experiencing right now is that like the therapy, um, especially when people just transition from online, uh, from face-to-face to online, one thing they always talk about is that, oh, man, Diana, like, it feels like the therapeutic relationship is different, you know, like, because I can't see them or I, I can't, like, the embodiment is, like, different, especially in drama therapy. But what I tell uh, people um, or therapists is that, like, when we have friendships, we have different kinds of friendships. Like, some of them are close friends, some of them are acquaintances, some of them are online friends, you know. Um, and the therapeutic relationship that you build with the client um, face-to-face and online will be very different. And so it's just a different taste and quality of the, um, of the, of the relationship, of the therapeutic relationship. And then at the same time, when we talk about like the successes of like online therapy, the most important thing is like, what kind of goals have you set? Right. You want the treatment goals to be in line with like online, um, the possibility of that. Maybe like the, the, the therapy is actually to encourage a, a depressed person to just go out and find a face to face therapist. And that's like the, the, the treatment goal that you're working with. So, um, having like a, a, a treatment goal, which is, uh, uh, possible to achieve. Um, and also constant assessment of the client, and that will make it um, successful. Mm, I see. I, and I do know a lot of folks do have concern about uh, confidentiality and whatnot. Mm. That's actually ranked one of the highest concerns when it comes to teletherapy. Can you talk a little bit about that? You know, like in telehealth, one of the key things is HIPAA. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, as a, as a licensed therapist, like HIPAA compliant is one of the key things that uh, we have to think about, not only like uh, online or face, uh, we have to think about in face to face too. For example, uh, where do I store my notebook? Where do I put my, you know, calendar, online calendar or not, whatnot. So, um, there are platforms outside, um, in, you know, in, in, in the internet that is HIPAA compliant, um, therapy, um, that you could perform in in that kind of like setting and system and of course we have to disclose to clients that like hey like with the confidentiality issue or hipaa issue there are some risks like we like you have to sign some kind of waiver or like some kind of like contract with a therapist um 
having the, the therapist explaining to you about those risks. Um, and of course, confidentiality is really important. You have to find a space where you could do it at home or like in an office where no one really, you know, uh, could could hear you about what your clients are saying or like as a client, what you're talking about. Because sometimes home might not be the safest spot and the most confidential spot for some folks. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Definitely. Um, so yeah, it's, it's very fascinating. So tell me a little bit more about like what other considerations are there that therapists should take account for when they're considering moving their practice or part of their practice online? Mm-hmm. Um, I think the key thing is risk. Mm-hmm. So if there is a high risk client, which includes uh, active suicidal you know, thoughts or ideation um, or eating disorder or like um, uh, uh, delusional, like, you know, like some kind of. So, like, so symptoms uh, that are more um, clinically indicated for inpatient treatment, for example. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Um, those are really hard to do online because the tracking um, is a little bit different. Um, mm-hmm. I think there's a lot of people out there that might be depressed and have suicidal idea, like, you know, like thoughts and stuff like that. But, um, as a clinician, it's like when you do online, specifically when, you know, with COVID-19, we're f- some, sometimes we have forced to do online right now, even mm-hmm, though the mm-hmm. clients, uh, are not ready for that because it's either no therapy or online therapy, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, and so the question is like, how can you put systems in place to support your client? Um, it, like, like for example, emergency contacts, um, uh, or even, or even like a, a safety plan that is in place before you start the online therapy. Mm. Um, yeah. So that's, that's something to definitely something to consider uh, to see if your population is, um, is suitable for that. Right. Yeah. Um, if it's like an elderly that is having um, that needs online therapy and they're not able to, you know, go out, like I would, I would, I would do that. You know, like the risk is pretty low, um, um, and just to make sure that like you have all the all the criteria that you would do face to face in place. Yeah. Um, so kind of echoing what you said, uh, I actually went through some of the current literature on online therapy. And uh, mm. so long story short, online therapy is effective. And there are some research that states that um, therapy that are based um, on, say, CBT and some relational models like psychodynamic therapy when conducting online is comparable mm-hmm. in terms of uh, effectiveness, uh, we're talking about like symptoms reduction as in-person delivery, which is very interesting, very surprising, right? You kind of, a, a lot of the, a, a, much of the arguments uh, against online therapy is that you lose that, um, that face-to-face contact. You, you might not able to see minute gestures or tone changes, but uh, the theory here, uh, one of the theory proposed is that when you um, speak of someone not face-to-face, uh, we automatically kind of adjust our our speech, adjust the way we communicate to, mm. to kind of illustrate um, like our mood, for example, right? 
so or illustrate things that you might not able to see. Well, we have we grew up with phones. We grew up with phone calls. So deep down, we kind of developed these skills to able to express ourselves when we can't see the other person. Right. Yeah. I think kind of going back to what you said about how online therapy, the relationship is a little bit different. I do think it's different. I, and I do think that it kind of taps into that skill that we have unconsciously developed of communicating, expressing ourselves uh, to someone who can't see us and vice versa. Um, yeah. 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 Another thing that uh, you touch on is the constant assessment, right? Like mm-hmm. the um, how can you as a clinician assess um, if the client is doing well or not. So I use a lot of different um, ways to assess the client. So for example, um, doing like more check-ins, mm-hmm. um, having explaining to them, hey, I actually could not see you um, uh, like that well in terms of like the physical health. Can you describe to me um, so-and-so like, oh, did you shower or or um, how's your sleep? So that like you can have like more of an assessment mm-hmm. um, um, component in your therapy, um, like the, in in the therapy, mm. and so that's like really important. And it's um, there are times that after a few months, then I know something about the client, like out of the blue, right? Mm-hmm. Like mm-hmm. because of like the encouragement of like talking and self disclose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Excellent. Excellent. Um, so yeah recently because of the COVID-19 um, I know there are some changes to the, the HIPAA regulations to make online yes. therapy more accessible. So if we re- if we want to um, take advantage of that and really, you know, provide the services that we can and help out as many people as we can, what's the best way to kind of get started, you think? I think do some research about your state license mm-hmm. right now and see if um, there is any law around thing that is um, different. So, for example, you have to set up your, your um, I don't know, your credit card, like, you know, like how you take money, uh, also the platform itself, mm-hmm. and also having your clients be able to um, – uh, like sign the the consent form about telehealth. So those are things that like you have to put in place. For example, my nonprofit like they they put in like a um, a verbal agreement like when we do online therapy because tr- traditionally we do it face to face, right? So 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 like that's like something that you have to think about. And as an agency or like a nonprofit, like um, it's like, how can you best serve your clients at this time? Because there's a lot of clients that need support right now. Um, um, not because the anxiety level of everyone is a little bit higher. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And again, going back to the research, it does say that um, online telehealth is effective. Uh, and then when the only, okay. So when, when, the study came out. They ask uh, clients and therapists to rank their, you know, te- telehealth experience, and mm-hmm. both of them ranked as is pretty effective. They feel like it's effective. It's doing stuff right. The biggest difference is that um, the client ranked telehealth as satisfactory. They they feel content. They feel satisfied. But a lot of therapists don't 
they feel like is mm. ineffective per se, or they feel like it's unsatisfactory. And a lot of times it goes back to um, the concept of comfort. And I think you talked about having these systems in place to kind of make the, the, the process more seamless. And I think that's a, a prerequisite in order to do more effective online therapy. Exactly. Would you say that? Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And there are reports right now that people are talking about like, oh, I like screen, you know, online therapy is actually way difficult than face to face. Like I bet, the, yeah. there's a lot of fatigue because you have to be very focused um, with the client, um, way more focused than you're in a in a room with, with each other because like it like with with the room, like the embodiment you kind of pick up little signs without even your brain knowing it, right? Yeah. Right now, it's more visual, more auditorial, yeah. um, rather than like the whole. Yeah, and um, and this goes back to the enteric nervous system, our the the mm-hmm. the brain in our gut, the gut brain, right? So, oh, some people call it <laughs> the second brain, and if you're a psychodynamic therapists you might be very familiar with this concept of like you know feeling feeling in your gut right understanding your yeah. countertransference and one of the challenges i am i understand in online therapy might be that um more assessment is definitely needed as you describe because we're not able to use all the gut senses yeah yes. we cannot really pick up the subtlety of everything and yes mm-hmm. it is a limitation but the question is not like oh should we just not do it but it's 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 right here that how can we do it more effectively or as effective as we can i think i think lee there's like an interesting um client that comes in mind as mm-hmm. well about gut you know like how your gut is different uh, when they're in the same room but also you could like develop your technology gut <laughs> oh yeah interesting because can you say um, more about that? i have i have uh i had one client who um is a teenager and we do a lot of share screening oh wow right and and uh what happened is that i noticed how um the client would remove the history uh immediately um after googling something as if like nothing have happened wow. right when we're doing the therapy and so and so, like you, with that, there's like way more information, and you know, like when compared to a face to face, because like I could see the searches, I could see um, uh, how how the client uh, clicked through stuff so quickly, as if nothing have happened, as a very very you know habitual thing, mm-hmm. and so it tells so much about the client too, mm-hmm. and so like I especially with teenagers or like young adults. Um, those clients actually review a lot um, through online because mm-hmm. that's the medium that they have been using. Um, yeah. So it maybe it's a different gut. <laughs> it's for sure a different gut. And, mm-hmm. and the communication format is very different as well, right? And it's kind of like mm-hmm. these small online behaviors that have a large undertone to it. That's a exactly. very interesting topic for sure, yeah. Or even like, um, what kind of YouTube videos that we're gonna like dance to? You know, I'm a I'm a drama therapist, and so there's a lot of embodiment, um, involved in it. A lot of role play still in online therapy. Um, so so it's just like interesting to see how different clients react to it. Um, I had clients where I kind of use the filter, like using, 
um, the in like the idea of Instagram, where um, imagining yourself being older and older, and like we do a, like a role play um, while looking into the screen um, at yourself, imagining that yourself is older and talking to yourself, and so those are like interesting interventions that we can still do mm-hmm. um, through online, and it might be more powerful when compared to like an empty chair sometimes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And no, I in, in my practice, I have incorporated elements of that. Now, I am not a drama therapist, so mine is not as creative. Um, mm-hmm. But for example, in some of my work that um, I utilize behavioral activation, I do have a patient that one of the more effective sessions that we had was we talked about you know walking around in the, this little hiking trail near her house. Mm-hmm. And then she, she, I gave her instructions to do the walk and then tell her to call me again after she reached a certain destination, take a picture and send it to me. So, and, and, having that level of interaction because we're not stuck in the office right then she's more ready to do it she's told me that she feels like i was there with her that i'm i'm keeping an eye out on her and that feels very good for her right mm-hmm. and in terms of like my more psychodynamic work um i'm noticing that texting speed is very interesting if i were to <laughs> yeah yeah if i were to text a client like in the morning and they take like five hours to text me back i feel some stuff right some stuff come up for me oh. right there's some counter transference there i'm like ooh, what's going on right or i have clients that will repeatedly um text me like in times where i tell them i, I don't pick up text right so i only pick up text during work hours after that my my number is shut off, right? But I have a client who repeatedly text me at three a.m. Right? Oh wow! Yeah, so I mean, like, that sets a lot about it does, like, doesn't uh, it? Boundaries, right? Mm-hmm. Boundaries yeah. on like, and and also what kind of you know if you go with more of a control mastery approach, what kind of testing is this, right? Yeah. So it's it's a it's a very rich topic when it comes to. I like that. I like the online gut. I really like that. Yeah, the online good. I think, I think like as a consumer, like the, as a client, um, we can like give some tips too on like how to find, uh, like a suitable online therapist, especially like during this time. Um, one, one indicator that is a good online therapist is that like they are very aware of like the HIPAA. Um, they're very aware of the uh, of the structure and also the setting like clear boundaries about like protecting you. You know, like on on um, the on on the online platform. Um, also, like it's important to pick someone which um, have some kind of experience doing that already, um, because you want to feel a little bit more safe, right? Yeah, I also suggest that you might want to find someone who um, have a strong sense of boundaries when it comes to yes. online therapy, uh, namely because it's. A lot of therapists are very used to you know, maintaining appropriate boundaries when it's face-to-face. But when it comes to online, it might not. So you might want a therapist who, like you said, have experience. So like say throughout midway through the session, they're not like, oh, let me go ahead and you know open the door real quick or you know, oh, someone else is calling, right? Let me answer this text real quick, right? So it's just these boundaries that's important to observe 
Um, and yeah. it, have professionalism, even though it's not face to face. Exactly. Exactly. Like I think it's important to um, um, pick the right person that you want to work with. It's just like it's just like um, picking a friend, right? Not everyone um, works, or or even like picking a partner, dating, right? Not mm-hmm. every therapist work well with you, particularly. But it will be um, wise to have some kind of like mechanism or like like your own um, gut. As a consumer or like as a client, if that is working or not, yeah. Mm-hmm. And um, there's a lot of choices right now because a lot of people are transitioning to online, and um, I like would recommend this might be the good time to do it. To go find a therapist. Go find a therapist, everybody. <laughs> Everyone needs one, including therapist himself. Of right? course, I know. Yes. Well, take care, everybody. Stay safe. um, And uh, please join us for our next episode. Bye-bye for now. See ya. Bye.